evening, everybody. That's right, the sun's setting. It's still setting early, but you know what? It feels great to see the sun out past 5 o'clock. We're inching closer to 6 o'clock, and actually, it's definitely up past 6, but soon a lot more. I think March 10th is fall, is spring forward. March 10th is spring forward, so we're getting a whole other 60 minutes in a couple of days, two weeks, whatever the hell it is, two and a half weeks. Anyway, we're getting there. It's the 21st day of February, which means that we're a month away from the first day of spring, and uh, or a little bit less than a month away from the first day of spring. And I'm uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it because this year we got a couple of snow snowstorms, and I'm fine with it all. The other thing there too is that now that I have a Studio B set up, where you know for special occasions or for emergencies, especially inclement weather, there's really no reason why I can't go live. You know, there might be just some days where I'm like, you know what, taking a snow day, we don't have a guest, and I'm just going to really veg out with, you know, Aurora and and soak this day in. When that day comes, I don't know. It's not going to be this year because um, I think it's all done. I think the snow's all done now, and that's that. I'm already thinking about backyard what I'm going to be doing with the backyard, whether it's going to be mulch or whether it's going to be hostas or something like that. I, I don't know. I have some things. I want to put my mind towards springtime fun. Fun in the sun. Anyway, that's just to keep myself coping. But tonight, we're going to have a good time. We had a guest tonight, Raw Egg Nationalist. Ren is going to be coming back with us on March 13th instead. He had a really busy schedule, and uh, I told him, "Yo, listen, just uh, do your thing, and uh, and we'll we'll pre-record on March 13th, because you know he's he's like six or seven hours ahead over there in the UK. So I um, just want to make it easy on him, and and he had a, a busy media schedule. So no 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 problem, no problem. We'll have him on soon, and I have something really big I want to talk to you about tonight. Of course, the um, the title for tonight's show." Is the Great American Burnout. That's kitchen table economics to child care. I really want to talk about I want to talk about the the ever increasing weight on the middle class. And I think it would be a great way to just to open up the lines to people who I'm sure are experiencing a lot of things, have been able to experience a lot of things over the many many different eras of American life. Because I feel like we've experienced and lived through quite a few distinct eras just in the last 40 years alone. You know, I think we've had to had uh, two major adjustments of the way that life was going to be after 9-11. And then uh, the, the, the time leading up to 2001 as well. There's just so much. And I'm going to read, read a few things through because it's getting to me. It's getting to me really is. And I understand that there are places you can go in this country alone that will lessen the burden of, of you know, what's being foisted upon us and how how um, how really tiresome it all is. But there's the, the the biggest worst problem we have we can't run from at this point. That's just what it is. So tonight we're going to be talking about the burnout factor. And I want to take a lot of your calls. So write the, the number down. It's 914-200-0269, 914-200-0269. We're going to be taking those calls in a little bit. I'll set the table for you. I promise. I promise. All right. Okay, so the first things first, 
I have uh, I heard that we already sold about 20 uh, mugs. Cheers to all of you. Like I said, this is going to be the perfect addition to your collection and a very handy weapon if you ever needed to kill somebody with it. It's like Cain and Abel. You, uh, you know, you, you, this. You don't need a rock. You don't need anything. It's more versatile than a rock. You can kill your brother, and then you can go and you can drink a cup of coffee. So go ahead and do that. Uh, check it out. Thank you so much. And I also can't wait to make some kind of a a bumper or a, a wonderful commercial, coffee commercial out of that that great video testimonial from our friend Lorraine, our 100-year-old friend Lorraine, who said some amazing things. That she does not want another 100 years to go by until she has another cup of this damn coffee. And I love it. That really warmed my heart. And a lot of you, too. Because, um, you know, I got the feedback. So thank you to all my friends out there. And, um, and thank you to Blue Monster Prep. I'm just thanking them every night at this point. Because the world outside is frightful. You know? <laughs> anyway, there you go. All right. Let's move on to the grab bag because I want to get to a few other things in. I have I have a couple other big announcements. I have three show threads that I published today that I want to bring your attention to because I want you guys in on them. We're going to be doubling down on on shows that are really, really um, rooted in audience interaction and getting into the human experience again. So that's what we're going to be doing. I also want to let you know, those of you know, uh, go out and become a part of the book club at the end of March. Book club nights are going to be on Monday nights, 9 p.m., and this one starts on March th 21st. The book is The Robe by Lloyd C. Douglas. Go and get it. It's going to be great. It's perfect for Easter. It's a classic. You're going to learn a lot of new words, and, um, and we have a great co-host. So please... Be a part of that, and the way you be a part of that is to become a sponsor. And uh, for the time being, I'd say go to the subscribe star because we're trying to hit a big goal. And um, and yeah, and soon I'm going to be able to throw a lot of stickers your way. Can't wait till those come in. All right, um, Lucifer's hammer. Not all of this week, but next week because it's already Wednesday. All of the super chats on quitefranklysuperchat.com that came in starting this Monday are going to be put into a raffle giveaway for Lucifer's Hammer, my copy of Lucifer's Hammer. So I'm going to give that away next Friday, all right? Next Friday, not this one coming up, not two days from now, next Friday, just so people who didn't have a chance to get in on it, send a super chat, quite frankly, superchat.com. You can send that even off air. All hours of the night and day, you can send that to just be a part of it. It only takes one to get you into the running. All right. All right, I guess that's, uh, is that all, of everything up front? That is. All right, let's get into the grab bag. The first one up is from studyfinds.com. I can't wait to do a lot of weird science and nutrition stuff tomorrow with uh, with Jay. Jay Gulinello is coming in studio. He's my first in-studio guest since this uh, this place has been, has gotten a major facelift. Here we go. Studyfinds.org, lab-grown testicles have been now created in male fertility breakthrough. Lab-grown testicles. 
And uh, let me just tell you, this is not going to go anywhere productive. No way in hell. Scientists have success successfully grown testicles in a dish that could one day help solve male infertility. Oh, there's plenty. There's plenty that could be done to solve male infertility other than going back to the laboratory and trying to find some other unnatural concoction or method of doing so. Which affects 1 in 12 men worldwide. Researchers at Bar-Lan University in, uh, in Israel produced tiny organoids, artificial miniature organs, organs that closely mimic the structure and function of natural testicles. These lab-grown organs, cultured from cells sampled from mouse testes, formed small tubules that parallel the sperm-producing uh, seminiferous tubules found in real testicles. So they're not real. <laughs> they're not real. They're fake testicles born from the cells of mice. Anyway, artificial testicles are a promising model for basic research on testicle development and function, which can be translated into therapeutic applications for disorders of sexual development and infertility, says lead researcher Dr. Nidzan Gonin of the BIU Goodman facility or faculty of life sciences and the Institute of nanotechnology and advanced materials in a statement. Now I'll tell you this. Um, last night we were talking about lactation drugs. We we're talking about lactation drugs being given to men so that they can pollute babies with some sort of chemical excretion that progressive loons out there are willing to pretend is breast milk. And now we're talking about lab-grown testicles. That's being unveiled. Make no mistake, the lab-grown penises and vaginas, they are on the way. The lab-grown uteruses, they are on the way. The Frankenstein culture is nowhere near its final chapter. All right? It's nowhere near. Now, here's a moment in time that reflects the kind of thing that we have heard on, I don't know, almost like last night with the caller that we brought up from 1997 who called into Coast to Coast who had the balls to call climate change the world government boondoggle that it really is, that is more apparent now than ever before. Neuralink is there to help the paralyzed. Okay, I'm sure it will in some cases, but how is it really going to be applied to the majority of people um, who go and partake in it? Lab-grown testicles, artificial wombs, these are the things that we've been reading about, all becoming mainstream while, a, while this, this phenomenon of conflicting narratives over whether or not the world is overpopulated or whether or not it actually is in a population collapse in places like the West. Those are keep swirling about. So we have a lot of shit going on right now where populations are becoming infertile. They're just declining. Families are not forming. Uh, people are choosing to be childless. And there's just so much flux in the world at this point. And while all that is happening, there is a very public, mainstreamed push to have artificial reproductive processes introduced into public consciousness. And not only that, but also the idea that we can now grow organs in laboratories, put it on people who should have never had them, uh, that we can take things out, put them in. We are talking Frankenstein culture. Okay, it didn't even get that weird in Brave New World. Yeah, they were genetically engineering society so that it can stay stable and controlled and all of that. 
But um, this this Frankenstein nonsense that is that's something totally uniquely us. So um, now, given all those pieces, how do you see this fit in, fitting together? You can go talk about that on your own in the chat rooms over there, and we'll do one more thing before we kick this one off. Chat GPT had a public meltdown, but OpenAI says it's fine now. OpenAI's popular ChatGPT artificial intelligence AI system suffered a bit of a public meltdown between February 20th and today. That it had been confusing and confounding users by spouting gibberish and other strangeness, including unprompted pseudo-Shakespeare. As of 8.14 Pacific Standard Time, February 21, the problem has apparently been solved. The latest update on OpenAI's status page indicates that ChatGPT is operating normally. This indicates that the problem was solved 18 hours after OpenAI first reported it. This is the, this is the sum of the stuff that was going on there. Oh, hold on. Of note, I mean, this is all coming out of, I don't know, it's all, it's all nonsense. Whoops, I really apologize if my last response came through as unclear or... Now, it, it goes into Spanish and Spanglish, and it's it's a mix of languages. The hell is that? I guess like Korean or something. I, happy. You know, you can see it's just bugging out. And people were laughing at this, and it is laugh-worthy because I started thinking about, again, what was it, Tay back in the day where they, they let a, a chat bot I don't know, primitive so-called AI loose on Twitter. And of course, the whole thing with artificial intelligence is that it is learning from the input, from input. No doubt about it, that the people who are designing these things are making their input and making their worldviews and all that stuff be the most prominent thing that dictates how the program or the machine operates. We're seeing that right now with everybody realizing that uh you know google ai images are very very racist against white people and things like that could only should only be should only be expected and of course that is more evidence to the fact that artificial intelligence is not intelligent it is just following prompts from people who we really know what we know what they're thinking we know how they would answer and now they're they're answering people's questions through the guise of some kind of an unbiased machine who is all-knowing and really good at doing research but whenever the machine is actually let loose and allowed to experience humanity in its raw its most raw form we get tay we get things like that. We get we get the uh, the the AI uh, turning into a uh, a a toxically red pilled. Um, oh God! It goes it goes all over the place, all over the place, flirting with Hitler, all over the place. These are the machines. They think that they can duplicate what it is to be human. Whenever something like this spurgs out, I love it. Because they always talk about sentience of the machine and this and that. It can't even handle our shit posting on the internet. It's going to become sentient. Please. Now, I have no, there's no doubt in my mind that what these programs and what these, um, these portals are going to be able to do once prompted effectively is going to be, is going to seem miraculous to many of us. We were watching some of that on Friday night. Um, all of those completely uh, artificially generated moving images 
you know, the uh, the gold rush town in California from 1850s. That it, lo- it looks like a, you know, an aerial establishing shot of an old Western film, but it was all just prompted for free. Anybody will be able to do that. We were talking about how revolutionary this stuff is, but as far as the idea of intelligence and sentience and being able to duplicate human humankind, ridiculous, which is why it is the easiest thing for me to theorize about merging the machine with humans would be to make us something less than human to equalize the machine and us in a way where it brings us down okay where we have an original thought that is immediately fact-checked by google ai and uh and, and, and just tries to temper down any kind of natural instinctive uh instinctive uh you know inclinations that we have any kind of instinct we have any kind of any kind of gut connection that we have to our gut so that's where i think the sentience is i think that the the computers are going to try to steal sentience by dumbing us down and it's getting there it's getting there it really is because there's uh, there's far more dumb people out there than we think and a lot of that has to do with the machines and the media that they've been interacting with that is outside of their body you put that inside and dear lord Dear Lord. All right. Anyway, let's kick this one off. All right. We will be right back. Thank you guys and gals for chilling out. And uh, I will see you on the other side. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! How you feeling? It's 7.17 p.m. on the East Coast. No reason to cut the grab bag off so soon when we don't have a guest coming in. I like these nights as much as I love speaking with guests and learning about them. I also love hanging out with you guys and bringing you in for the ride. So a couple of things I want to put out to drive you guys to the forum. Oh, number one, from the Mall Memories Show, we were talking about memories from the mall, the shopping mall. Uh, we had that one caller, Ed, who had called in, and uh, I said, hey, Ed, I would love to know more about your story. It was really fascinating. And people were like, yes, more, Ed. Ed, here's another call for you. Get in touch with me. I'm still waiting for you, Ed. I know that you said you didn't have email, but ask somebody you know with an email address to email me at frank at quite frankly TV. Come on, Ed. I know you're listening. You have the technology to listen to this show live, so you can definitely find a way to email me. Come on, Ed. I believe in you. 
You've been through so much, you can handle an email. All right, so that's the first one. Now I direct you to quitefrankly.tv to the forum. And pinned to the top of the forum, there's a number of things that we're going to be working off of pretty soon, but there are three in particular I want to draw your attention to. And the first one is this. What was the best thing you ever inherited? We're going to do this maybe sometime next week. It's based on a, uh, a really interesting story that I had set aside about a, uh, a housekeeper or something that, that inherited uh, millions, almost like a Mr. Deeds kind of a thing. But... Um, this is something, and it doesn't have to be genetic. It doesn't have to be like, I inherited my father's blue eyes, but you could go there if you want to. I'm talking about more so somebody passed on, somebody died, and left something incredible to you. I mean, even if it's nothing of intrinsic value, of, uh, no, intrinsic value is what I'm looking for. What's the best thing you ever inherited? So it doesn't have to have some kind of a, uh, a dollar amount to it. It's not like striking gold at Antiques Roadshow or anything. You can, of course, but something that would just really hit home. It was the best gift you ever got. So I'm looking for everything. Objective treasure, subjective treasure, something genetic you like about yourself, <laughs> whatever. That's number one. What is the best thing you ever inherited? You got to get in on that one, ladies and gentlemen, because I, whereas I love taking calls and the calls will flow, I love being able to, to read off at least a dozen of these entries. It makes the show so much more smoother. Uh, the second one that is pinned to the top of that forum is this. We're bringing it back, Six Degrees of Separation, the 2024 edition. I don't think that we've done this since 2022. So we have a lot, a lot more people in the audience now than we did the last time we did this. Here's the question. Do you have anyone in your past, family history, near or far, that made history or at least contributed to it in a publicly notable way? Are you related to a president? A famous scientist, a bank robber, pirates, actors, authors, murderers, inventors, etc. It's been a couple of years since we've done this bit, so let's see how connected the quite frankly audience is. It's to six degrees of separation. Let's know what you guys got going on over there. So that is up again. People loved that show. We've done two of those shows, and it's been a couple of years since we did the last one. So um, let's get around to it. Six degrees of separation. And then the other one, this one is today. And there's already two pages worth of entries because I found a really great conversation of people sharing stories that pertain to this. And I took their names and I took their entries and I pasted it into the thread to really get it going. But I know that this one, I know that this one may need a couple of nights. I know it will. And I think it'll be a wonderful, the, the only question I have is, do I save this for like a Mother's Day, Father's Day kind of a thing? And you'll see why. Here you go. The show thread is called Insane Side Quests. Now, I had seen a meme. There was a meme that I had seen that, uh, that was on Instagram somewhere. And uh, it, it, read, it read this way. It said, when your dad picks you up from school instead of your mom and you knew you were about to go on an insane side quest. Now, I want you guys and gals out there to tell me a time that your father, an uncle, or any wild card figure in your life, if that, if that figure was your mom, then fine. That's fine. But especially fathers, uncles, or any kind of male 
figure, wild card figure in your life shows up at school or anywhere else unexpected and took you on a random quest, which became a core memory of yours, you know, where all of a sudden, oh, shit, dad's here instead of mom. And he just takes you to an unexpected place or you do something weird or you do something just uh, unforgettable just because they're just shoot from the hip type of people. Um, I want to know about that. And I've already got a couple of pages worth of stuff in here. So I want you guys to jump in there and let me know. Go go there, read the thread, what's been building so far. You get some inspiration, you put it in, and um, and we're going to have a nice, a nice ride into spring. Okay. That's out of the way. So I asked the question on Monday night, do you feel burnt out? Is there anything burning you out? I brought this up Monday. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? If so, where do you feel the burnout? Is it professional? Is it, uh, is it social? Is it social media? On, on Valentine's Day, Lauren and I were talking about my Lenten promise of being pleasant on social media. Well, I mean, I, I, exp- I have been very good with that. I have stayed away from commenting nastily and whatever. I'm still going to lay down commentary on things that, you know, are, are bothering me. And this is a big part of it, the burnout. And I feel it, especially this time of year, where on March 1st, I'm really going to start putting together my taxes. I got to put together what's coming in, what's going out, this and that, what's being written off. And then, of course, write the big check. Write the damn check. The check that keeps me out of jail and nothing else. Not my patriotic duty. It is, it's, I, I don't know. It's alimony. What the hell is it? I was never married, never married to the system, but I'm I'm paying them for some reason. It's uh, it, it's sick. It's sick stuff, and I and it it wears on me. And this time of year, it really really wears a lot more. And I'm reading a lot, and I'm 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 having a lot of uh, time with people in my life who are feeling it too, who just don't know what to do anymore, where the hell to go. And I want to read this to you to inspire some conversation with the audience. Here it is. It's from the Washington Examiner from a few days ago. It's called Middle America is Dying Hard. Here are some of my highlights. Most people in this town will tell you they'd rather have taken a physical punch to the gut than get the news that they received yesterday when Cleveland Cliff Steele announced it was idling its tin plate production plant, a move that had directly cost 900 people their jobs. 30 years ago, more than 10,000 people worked here at Wharton Steel. Now... The last 900 workers left that have just lost their jobs. 10,000 to 900, now 900 gone. When I was growing up in the 1980s, the mill was still going at full tilt with Wharton Steel employing 10,000 people, including my grandfathers, said Ryan Weld of Wellsburg, 43 years old, who grew up in downtown Wharton. The Republican state senator said things started to slow down here in the mid to late 90s after the North American Free Trade uh, Agreement was enacted, NAFTA. That, here's a quote that dramatically changed the landscape of downtown when it went from a bustling, uh, the last age group that remembers the shops and stores, restaurant of downtown, it went from a bustling place to just nothing. He believed NAFTA, signed by President Bill Clinton in 93, essentially made it hard for companies like Weir and Steel, which had to follow strict and expensive Environmental Protection Agency guidelines complete 
with places like Mexico or to compete with places like Mexico. The towns all up and down the Steel Valley died hard. Here's another quote for you. The legacy of the federal government and its refusal to to properly enforce trade laws is nothing but empty mills and unemployed workers. That was true in the 80s and 90s, and that is true today. Forty years ago, the Democrat Party started to slowly shed its working class base, but not quickly. Democrat officials would still show up for decades at for decades at union rallies, putting their arms around workers' shoulders and telling them that they have their back, while at the same time enacting regulations and trade agreements that stripped them of their livelihoods and dignity and made ghettos of their once-beloved communities. By 2012, Obama re-election, they traded their New Deal Democrat legacy voters for ascendant groups, minorities, young people, college-educated elites, and single women, all done without so much as a Dear John letter. The Republicans inherited these people, but most of their strategists running uh, running messaging and campaigns had no idea what to do with them, at least on the national level. You know, and, and this is me talking now, which is really confounding. It's really confounding. You have a lot of these people who, like, even even when I would, uh, when I would talk to Skip about about uh, all this stuff, like years ago, years ago, even before I really cared too much and I wasn't really emotionally invested, um, you know, I I, I I remember asking him, "How do you vote? Are, are you a you do Democrat? Do you do pro- Republican?" He goes, "Well, I'm Democrat. Democrats for the working man," and I know that a lot of people believe that, and maybe at one point it was. And I know those uh, that that term blue dog Democrats or whatever that are still uh, uh, pretty blue collar and they they think that it's still the, uh, the the I don't know what the hell it is but it's not there anymore. Uh, that right there again. We've seen that. Have they not passed up on middle America, small town America, the suburbs, to be able to cast the die with complete crazy social justice nonsense? that has transcended even race and gender, uh, or, uh, I should say race and sex, that has gone directly uh, beyond race, beyond class and sex, and gone into the, the depths of hell with the gender shit and, and so much. It's, it's, in, it's insane. Makes you wonder what the hell they're doing it for. You're taking a viable group of people and you're trading it in for something that is small and insane but that's just the plan. I don't know. And what the hell have Republicans done? Well, they're 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 pieces of shit too. And the real thing is there that there there's very few Republicans that actually. I'm sure some of them out there are trying to get some some PAC money and actually believe in conservative values or independence and things like that. But it's very hard for these these uh, these parties to differentiate themselves from each other. It's very hard. They all want the same kind of control. They like centralizing things. They like regulation. They like central banking. They like uh, things like free trade and mercantilism and all that stuff. That's really what it is. Um, Man, oh, man. Anyway, here it is. And when I say free trade, I mean like the NAFTA stuff where it's only one way. You know, it's only one way. Let's see. Let's keep going. In short, we are heading once again into an election where very few people in Washington truly understand how remarkably devastating this mill closure is. Instead, it is a wire story at best, soon forgotten if measured at all. They truly do not understand how much the loss of dignity of work has changed American politics.
Uh, nothing says that more than how um, shoplifting has been so um, not only enabled, but protected. To want to talk about dignity of work. There is no dignity. That this tone deafness is still happening 14 years after Barack Obama was given notice in the 2010 midterm elections and eight years after Donald Trump won the presidency is pretty staggering. Now we're going toward the end over here. Few things bond, few things bond people and citizens together like trying to make a living in the real world. The dignity of work and raising a family, he explained. Oh, we're talking about uh, Jeff Bauer, a political science professor at Keystone College said Washington elites on both sides of the aisle, media elites, and now online conspiracy elites just don't get middle America even after this recent economically and politically difficult decade. Uh, he explained, uh, he explained, you know, uh, the few things bond people together like dignity of work and raising a family, adding that these bonds that cut across all divides, geographic, Racial and ethnic divides, religious, gender, ideological party divides, and even at times socioeconomic. If there is one thing we have learned over the past decade, it is that this bond over the difficulties of making an honest living can and does create unlikely coalitions of voters, he said. Even desperate voters from likes of Bernie Sanders supporters to Trump supporters can agree on this. And lastly, we say Bauer said dignity of work is at the very core of the American experience that the elites of this country still just don't understand while average Americans just keep getting financially squeezed more and more. It's, uh, that is, that, I'm, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that, and I know many of you are too. And I really, really want to get this. I really want to get your thoughts on this. I really want to get it all on, on, the, uh, on the books. Now, earlier on today, I was just, I already knew I was going to talk about tonight, but then it just got me thinking, especially since I had a, uh, I was talking with Lauren about a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours who was in some financial difficulty and was wondering, you know, was really looking forward to a so-called refund this year, a so-called refund from the IRS. Imagine that refund for what? What services were rendered? What services were rendered? What is it? And instead, she's learning that she's actually going to have to owe, which is being dev- which is devastating, especially for people who are already don't really have much. And, you know, I, I think about how the system emboldens and protects criminals, even down to the shoplifters. Uh, it prioritizes the non-citizen. You see what the hell's going on in places like New York and Texas and Chicago, wherever the hell all of these uh, these these foreigners are being imported and just moved around and then protected from any kind of criticism when they act exactly the way that you think they would after breaking into a place they have no allegiance to and asking to be taken care of like a fucking child. And then on top of it, we've got this system. I wouldn't call it a government. I'd call it a company. That wages domestic war through the courts through so-called law enforcement and it gaslights you about all of it in the media gaslights you about all of it lies to you 
blames you in, 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 in respect for not seeing it in a more diplomatic way, what's going on, what's being done to you, and why you gotta pay for it. Because that's the other thing that happens. Every April, they send you the bill for all the shit that they've been doing to you. Every April. I bust my ass just like so many of you out there. We do different types of work, but busting your ass is, is busting your ass. That's just, that's just what it is. You're trying to provide for a family. At the very least, you're trying to build something for yourself. The fruits of your labor is very, very intimate and very important. And to have these worthless criminals tell you that you owe them for what? For what? For what? I don't owe shit. I get more value from my local pizzeria. I get more value from my favorite pizzerias around here than I do Washington, D.C. I hate it. I hate it, and I hate everyone involved in it. I said that as much today on Twitter as well. And I'll tell you something else. That doesn't mean I'm going to skirt my responsibility, and my responsibility is to my family. So that means I'm going to pay every penny that I owe because I am determined to stay out of jail and be with my family. That is is slavery that is extortion that is every gangster trope of people going to the local flower shop and asking for protection money there's really no value to any of this stuff but we're getting squeezed that's it I haven't even talked about the fake wars and all that shit and everything else and then there's this on top of it i want to i want it so this is what i'm talking about with burnout and everything else there's also the socio stuff the socioeconomic, socio-political stuff, but um, then there's this. This is from Newsweek. A couple of a couple of maybe about two weeks ago. This is last week in January. Childcare now costs more than college as parents fork over thirty-six thousand dollars a year in some instances. It's official. Childcare costs are now more than you'd pay for college. Around forty-seven percent of parents spe- spent up to eighteen thousand dollars a year on their childcare expenses according to the new cost of care report from care.com, while 20% of parents indicate that they spend more than $36,000 in a year. Compare this to the yearly tuition and room and board at a public state university, and parents might be shocked. For the 2023-24 school year, the average cost of attendance for a public four-year uh, college in a, you know, in a state college including tuition, fees, room, and board, was $24,030 a year, according to the U.S. Department of Education. Now, think about that. That's just something else on it entirely. Now, here's the rub. Why do I bring that up? Because you can tack this onto everything that we have read in the previous article, number one, but we also talk a lot about male versus female in the workforce. On this, on this show, at least, we do. We've talked about that, the emergence of the, the of the trad wife, so-called, about the stay-at-home mom, you know, being able to, to, to take control of education again by being there to, to educate your child, to homeschool, to find a way to get our hands back on the wheels of things. Now, I've personally taken quite a few calls from, from older women over the years in the audience who said that they regretted working as much as they did. They regretted not being there at home to raise their kids. Um, and, and, and there seems to be just as many people now 
if not a growing number of people who would like to work less. They have a chance right now to do that if only desire would be able to match up with the feasibility of it economically. They would like to do that stuff. They would like to invest more in their family and they have no choice but to work to be able to stay afloat and generally feel hopeless because of the squeeze, the burnout, the hamster wheel. You know? It's it's that's that's just it. And and to go through an entire year of struggling just to have Uncle Sam, abusive Uncle Sam, diddling Uncle Sam, hold out his uh, bony hand and ask for more. You know, you know, how, how many of those women? I'll just I'm using you ladies out there as an ex, as an example or, um, you know, how many of them who wish they could have done something differently, you know, with their work and home life 25 years ago, those women if they regret what they could have done, the, the, the real thing here to think about is 25 years ago, they could have if they had only the desire, at least a lot more so than today. These days, because of how things, they, how things uh, are right now, desire may not be enough. So, I mean, by the time some of these childcare bills are paid, I mean, that, that's, that cuts into your groceries. You're obviously not taking very many vacations, which are really integral. To, to building wonderful core family memories, which is really all that life is. You got to have those moments, man. It can't just be one big struggle and then a couple, a couple hours on a Saturday night. It can't. It can't all Sunday thinking about how the work week starts again the next day. It can't be about that. So then you have this. That's why I wanted to throw that out. You have the child care debate. It's so expensive, but are our, our, our kids even well, well taken care of? When you fork over the thirty-six thousand dollars, it doesn't. It doesn't. It just doesn't. Uh, it's stressful to think about. So I mean, there's a lot here. I'm opening up the lines in just a second. I'm going to go on a break and bring you all in for it. Are you burnt out? What changes have you seen? Um. Have you have you seen uh, in yourself? What changes have you seen in the people around you, as far as the way that your local your towns and cities have have completely transformed and 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 been, you know, turned into something that's unrecognizable for something as very basic as the financial aspect. I mean, remember this this rears its head on the show a lot, and especially when we discuss things like ghost towns. It wasn't too long ago that we did that one headline on this show, how some universities have studied. The trajectory of what um, many American cities and towns are on right now. And they said that uh, half of nearly 25,000 cities in the United States could become ghost towns by the year 2100. Where are people going? What's happening? What is it? So it's all part of this stuff. Where are people being funneled away from? What opportunities are being shuttered? I want to hear about how things have changed where you are. Uh, give me a call. Let's do that right now. Uh, 914-200-0269. Give me a call about the uh, great American burnout. Please do so. Because I know there's many of you out there. Um, and let's see here. 914-200-0269. Let's keep those calls flowing. And we will be back in just 
just a second. PRB. What is up, guys? Mike Collins here from Wandering Wolf Productions at Easter Island, and you are watching, quite frankly. Yeah, sure, let's just get across. Okay. Hey. Hey. How's it going, man? Thanks for fucking up the city. Have a nice day, buddy. Yeah, asshole. Let me put it this way. It's not likely to happen, but just say, I attacked you now. Yeah. Right? Would you beat me off? Yes, but no more than that. God, well, how long would you beat me off for? As long as it took. Really? All the way? Yeah, as long and, as it took. And, 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 and would, would you beat me off even if people were looking? Well, I would hope that they I mean, we're joined in and helped me. Right. So would I. That's what but I would what want if, to Jimmy, What if somebody else came in through the door and, and started attacking you as well? Would you beat us both off? I hope it's hard to work, but I'd have a go. And yes. If you get to the point where a whole a whole room full of men is attacking you, you would you would try and beat them all off and I'd just have to all somehow. help. You'd have and in that case, you would. I mean, yeah. I'm not quite sure how. I think I'd be more likely all to hands run to like the pumps. But if you're in a corner, you would beat them off. I'd have to, of course. Yeah. Okay. And who'd pay for the dry cleaning afterwards? Had a friend. You looking for a message board? Go to quitefrankly.tv and enter the forum. Engage with official show topic threads or start your own thread. Get signed up. It's that easy. And it's not Reddit, so don't sweat it. For the forum, and then so much more. It's quite frankly .tv. Yeehaw. Scientists were able to mimic Nessie Amun's voice by recreating his mouth and vocal cords with a 3D printer. It allowed them to produce a single sound. Ah! All right, 914-200-0269. Let's talk about the Great American Burnout. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Frank. This is Melissa from Wyoming. How are you? I'm doing well, Melissa. It's great to have you on. Yeah, we spoke about my husband's stitches a while back. So I think I remember. Um, Go ahead, please. <laughs> anyway, we retired, and lo and behold, it was COVID. We had planned to take a trip to New Zealand and backpack while we were still young enough to enjoy it. Well, that got shot down real quickly because we refused to be vaxxed. Um, anyway, so guess what? So then my son said, let's move to Wyoming from Northern California. I said, sounds great. Let's go. So we moved to a small town here up 2000 in the middle of nowhere and couldn't be happier so that's how it changed us oh well that see that see that's that's great that's a positive that's a positive turn it's where... a positive and i've become much more politically active i make phone calls a couple hours every day now so then um, as, as far as that that over um that uh that idea like when your son was growing up were you and your husband both working um he worked full-time yeah. had a great teamster job and um i was able to work around my boys schedules with their part-time job at a college and cleaning houses and whatever i could find and then i was available to drive everybody around and help score baseball and drive other kids around and all that. Okay. You know? So then there, there's now, let me just ask you just and speaking hypothetically, because obviously things have changed over the years. But do you think 
that you would have been able to if, if this if you guys if you roll back the clock now and all you your your husband your son uh, your your whole family is back to the way things were, but it, now it's just 2024. Would you have been able to keep that, that part-time work schedule or would you have needed to be able to go and work full-time as well to make ends meet, do you think? Actually, since both my husband and I were raised by children of the Depression and World War II, mm-hmm. we learned to be very thrifty. We learned to buy used cars. If, we, if it were... 2024 back then probably get down to one car buy all your clothes at the thrift store cook everything at home and uh, grow your own food whatever you need to do because i think it's very important to be home with your children uh, absolutely absolutely and and that's that's why the one of the the why i wanted to bring that up in particular when i saw the child care aspect to what is going on with the big squeeze of people across the country is that if we're mm-hmm. if we're ever going to make strides of you know toward the the homeschooling and 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 keeping families together we did that too yeah. right yeah and, and what i'm saying is that the era in which you did it was definitely a lot easier for people to make that choice if they had the desire to do it. Uh, but back then, I would have to, and thank you for the call, Melissa. I have a couple more calls coming in here. I, me, I would say that um, it was a lot. There's a lot more trust, uh, as we know right now, from the way that there's about five million children that are being homeschooled. And you go back even just ten years, and you can cut that down by at least I don't know how many other. How many million? This is a recent phenomenon of people who are taking education and home life very seriously. At the same time, it's becoming increasingly hard. It's becoming harder and harder for people to um, to make it happen. So, uh, like, yeah, being thrifty is definitely going to have to be a part of it all. But uh, as far as burnout goes and how everybody's feeling, uh, and I don't care where you feel the burn coming from. If it's media, if it's social media, call in and let me know what the hell's on your mind. All right, Jennifer, what's going on? Hey. Hey. Frank, it's dog show Jennifer. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. So what's on, So what do you want to add to this? Well, I know you're talking about how things have changed. And I'm an accountant. I know you remember from my letters. And over the last especially two years, and I'm going through tax season right now, I get my clients are doing so bad. Everyone, their income, their revenue, everything, and their expenses are way up. And then I get people calling to want to be a new client or just calling in random, like searching on Yelp or whatever, and they will boldly ask me how if I have a client already in that industry or just in general how uh, my other clients are doing and I have to tell them the truth that everyone is doing bad you know everyone's income is down at least a third their revenue and expenses are up at least a third I mean it's it's really bad and I don't have one single client that has given anybody a raise and if you're on a contract labor, 1099 contractor, they are not using people as much because of the expense. And um, 
I know a lot of the general contractors that do even residential homes or commercial building uh, are really hurting. Mm. And uh, even online sales, uh, of course, you know, my clients have specific things they sell online, but it's just amazing how the difference between the last two years and, say, the year before COVID. And even the year of COVID, it wasn't that bad. Not like it is now. Well, yeah, you, you know, wouldn't. You wouldn't. Had a couple months that was that were bad, but not the whole year, right? Right. You wouldn't. You wouldn't feel that in 2020. This was always going to be something that you would feel in 22, 23, and beyond, because it it wasn't even just there was a major. Uh, a major pause moment economically for a lot of people where they're told to stay home. They had to convert their their job to a, uh, a remote job. Some people just had to give up working altogether. There was just mm-hmm. so much flux going on there. And then about a year later, we're talking about the coercion because of all the, the, the medical mandates and things like that. So there mm-hmm. was even there's even more in that respect. But this what we are seeing right now, I believe, is has to be a major contributor, is that uh, th- there's been a rewiring of American work ethic and just behavior. It's it, they, They've been trying to modif- oh, yeah. modify our behavior the whole way through this. And I, I just think that there's a lot of people who have, I, I, I don't know, It's there, there's so many things that we probably can't even account for. And, you know, during COVID, every single solitary business that I have had to shut down and the government of course was giving the money away if you had w-2 employees then you could apply for the ppp loan which got everybody through unless you had 1099 people and then you got nothing and those uh, i had four or five clients that had 1099 people that had to go out of business because they were losing so much money and they couldn't rehire people, right? And they couldn't keep their machines, loans up, and it was awful. But then it seemed to recover a little bit. But this past two years, it's just awful. Well, I thank you for the call, Jennifer. And I, there's a few things, and thanks again. There's a few things I wanted to get out um, out ahead of as well. The other thing there um, that she had brought up about hiring there's still help wanted signs everywhere around me. Even smaller jobs that, that um, would never have any openings. I told you, my, my friends at the pizzeria, uh, they have had an incredibly hard time keeping pizza makers, people just, just to toss dough uh, on, on staff. Incredibly hard. Because people are still having their their lives subsidized through means-tested programs and this and that. And it is a rewiring of people's approach to what's going on in the job market, what they're willing to accept, which is ridiculous. The real thing is that there's no life or death situations in this country still. At this point, there's no life or death situation. What do you what do you normally notice when you see any of those shoplifting videos, people going into the Gucci stores, you know, grabbing things aside from the demographics? It's the fact that they have the fattest fucking asses you can even imagine. I don't know how these clowns even stuff themselves back into the cars with all of the stuff that they just stolen from the Gucci store or wherever the hell they are. The fattest asses you can imagine. 
instead of working. I mean, that's that's something right there. Just look at the asses of the people that are shoplifting. All right, let's uh, let's keep taking some calls. 914-914-200-0269. Let's see. We had just had a couple of blip up. They had a couple of blip away. All right, let's take a call from Paul. What's going on, Paul? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? The, uh, the great American burnout is that kid in Florida that did the burnout on the LGBTQ uh, crosswalk. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Didn't he get in trouble? So I got the ChristianPost.com pulled up here. He's facing a felony. And uh, Tim Poole donated ten grand to him the other day. He's 19 years old. He's raised $28,000 of his $100,000 goal as of Wednesday. Nice. And you know so, what? So so then I guess that that's your point. This is part of your great American burnout. Not only did he do a, a burnout on this graffiti, this street graffiti that is somehow a civil rights gesture, but um, but this is part of it. The social aspect of what we're living through is also what makes so much of of dealing with this intolerable the fact that we have that shit jammed down our throat constantly the fact that people are doing you know they're 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 really trying to stabilize their lives economically and and still they have to go and see what is being afforded to non-citizens in uh, all over the country by the hundreds of thousands that the scam that continues on this is part of the burnout so i'm glad you brought it up hey uh yeah so the the fed requires illegals and immigrants when they print all that money they want new birth certificates coming in that's the collateral well since you brought since you brought that up <laughs> uh yeah it's the collateral i i'd say that it would just and and it also goes into and thanks again for the call paul it also goes into the insidiousness of the entire thing because you could have just as easily incentivized people to have children but they don't want Americans to have children anymore. They want to replace Americans with people that have absolutely no interest in understanding what America even was. Most Americans don't even know what America wa- was or what it was intended to be. So this is about installing a permanent post-American underclass of dependents who will only do whatever the people who are feeding them tell them to do. And by, by and large, a lot of the, 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 the citizen class are like that, too, at this point. There's a lot of political autonomy that's gone. Let's take a call from our friend Wendy. What's going on, Wendy Mahoney? Hey, Frank. How are you? Oh, I'm so happy to hear from you. Go right ahead. Well, I got to tell you, I, I hit a wall about a couple of weeks ago, and I, I've been taking a little bit of time off. It's just it's brutal. Absolutely brutal to write about the things that I write about. And, uh, you know, I've been, I wrote an article on the border and last week and it, it crushed me. But I think what you're saying about people and that it's rewiring people, I definitely think it has. I mean, I've got, you know, one of my sons works remote. Um, he's so fed up with the United States and he's a pretty conservative guy. He's so fed up with the dating market and the United States and the politics and the corruption and the border that he's, you know, going down to Colombia and Costa Rica and spending like three and four weeks at a time out of, out of the country. I mean, 
when you start seeing 38 year old guys doing that kind of thing, you, you begin to wonder, you know, it's just, it's, it's, people are, I think, really dispirited and depressed. It's, you know, we're not quite to the point where we're gaining momentum for the election. People are afraid of what's going to happen in 2024. And, uh, you know, I see help signs, you know, help wanted signs all over too. I think people just, you know, they, they're not motivated. They were slammed during COVID. And then all this stuff that seems so purposeful everywhere you turn with our government, it's really, it's tough. It's very tough. I've taken a couple of days off actually, and just pretty much done nothing for a few days here. Well, you know, I, I, you and I, we've had a lot of conversations and exchanges like that over the years too. I, this requires just being socially conscious at this point. It's one thing to be a journalist like you are. It's one thing to be a talk show host like I am. If you're going to talk about relevant things, then you have to be able to dip into the toxic end of the pool. But now it's um, it's not even a uh, it's not even something that you could escape for to for too long. If you're going to be socially conscious at all. This stuff is just waiting for you. You're seeing a change in everything from just your local your local, uh, just just the way that your your town is made up to the, the people around you. What what's happening with your relationships? It is a uh, it's all contributing to almost like this nightmarish trying trying to escape from a nightmare where you're just really just trying to blink your your eyes inside of the dream and hopefully you'll wake up in a better time. It 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 you could not have nailed it better than you just did, and I think the only way to I keep telling people. Even myself, you know, writing and, and even what you do. I mean, you've got Lauren, you've got a lot of friends, you have a good network. That's great. Um, at my age, I mean, we moved here when I was older, so I don't really have a network of friends here. And it makes a huge difference. And, um, you know, it's the only way that we're going to survive this is by building real life relationships. But even that is so hard. People, you know, it's just they're either really well defended or they're working from home or they're not as social as they used to be. Um, I've noticed a real change in people's behavior. And, you know, I, I think social media is just absolutely just destroying, you know, between that and all the just AI and, and, and you're right. I mean, it, I, it's one thing to write about this stuff or talk about it on air, but, what, you know, like you can't escape it. And it just, <laughs> I was taking a walk. I took a walk last weekend and, uh, I, I just need to get outside. And I saw this guy with a wheelbarrow and, uh, he was, you know, doing some gardening, you know, for, for, you know, landscaping stuff. And he was taking, you know, he was handfuls of dirt, you know, mulch onto the garden. And I just thought to myself, you lucky son of a bitch. You're just, you know, you're out here in the fresh air. You're doing manual labor. You're, you know, you, you don't have your phone. You're not listening to anything. You're just out there working hard, you know, sweat, sweating and, and physical work. It's so good for the soul. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know any other way out at this point. It's, it's really, really tough. Yeah. Really, really tough right now. I, uh, I thank you for the call, Wendy. And I, you know, your your writing is always very illuminating, and um, and I think that you always get to the core of the issue. And I'm I'm happy that you call in when you do. I wish it was more often, but I'll take what I can get. Thank you. Thanks, Frank.
Bye. All right, there you go. Uh, Wendy writes for Uncover DC, and I don't know where else. She does a lot of work, though. Got to look out for her. And I also just want to say one thing. I bring this up because I know it's what we are dealing with across the board. And, hey, uh, your personal mindset when you go out and attack the day is a is all that matters. It does not negate what is happening around us, what's being done to us, what we what in what direction we're being pushed, but of course mindset is how we deal with the shit. So there's no black pill here. There is a a very sober um diagnosis of events, of what's going on around us, and then there is just how we deal. That's those are two different things, and they gotta be uh, they gotta be handled nice and in a and addressed nicely. Because there's 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 a war out there, and when when she was talking about being almost like jealous of people who are out there and in the yard and doing the thing or just you know wiping the sweat from their brow, I understand that too, and that's why I I try to I'm trying to simplify the show even more so there can be some more of that, especially when spring and summer rolls around. And that's another reason why this show's got, we've got to do some stuff with this where we're talking about things that kind of let a little bit of that that, uh, energy dissipate, release it a little bit more, and get down to simpler things to talk about, to get into the garden of the mind. That's what we need to do. Got to get in the sunshine, in the garden of the mind, and just do a little planting, do a little hoeing, a little hoe action. And uh, and away we go. That's that. All right, listen. It's eight oh four. We're switching over to uh, quite frankly TV to pilled.net. I heard that pilled.net has a very snazzy new look. But uh, the link for our direct broadcast is in the description below. I have callers from Billy. I have callers from six one eight. I have callers from eight six zero. I think that is uh, that's uh, you know uh, John from Connecticut. I don't know. Please call in. We have a whole other hour to go, and I want to keep talking to you about this. We're switching on over. See you at quitefrankly.tv, pill.net, and, uh, and we'll be there in a flash. Be right back. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pill.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv. Just press play. No paywalls. No censorship. No strings attached. So head on over. Quite frankly, TV, powered by Foxhole and Pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll be right back.
are now entering Quite Frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? This is a song that kind of makes me want to just chill out. This is the kind of song that gives me the the uh, the permission to chill. That it reminds me of the 90s. It reminds me of the 90s, and then I realize, oh, that's why we could chill. <laughs> sail away, sail away, sail away, sail away. Okay. What do we have here? We got some super chats I want to get around to. First one was from Rockfin. Got a tip on Rockfin from Notable Zero. Says, sup, what's going on, Notable Zero? It's great to have you out there. Hope you're still watching. I uh, thank you so much for everything. And I'll see you soon. Uh, Over on Rumble, there is... Nothing there. And on, quite frankly, superchat.com, there is Jay Brits and only Jay Brits who says, Hey, Frank, I have two mugs shipping today. I can't wait. Have a great show. You're so kind, man. You're so kind. Um, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who sent a little something and um, and submitted some thoughts. That's, uh, that's great. Okay, now let's get over to pill.net let's see if there's any some any gold pills hanging out for us i love reading all these uh thank you so much to sean joe to paulie 9363 who says my house is so clean it smells good that's great njsf says the idiocracy is infecting ai yes 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 it is we are the idiocracy i I like it too i like it we're like kind of the dogs that piss all over everything uh, computers are learning from us. That's funny. NJSF says the dumbing down of educational system is the equalization. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's preparing us for the computer. Education, American education, Western education is preparing us for the merging with the computer. Because only then will we stand something to gain from having that chip in our heads. Jay Jewel says, thank you for the Lorraine love. You make her so joyful. You're a good man, Frank. Oh, that's so nice to read. I'm happy she's having a fun time out there. Um, Sean Joe, Porpoiseful, Trick Pony, 
Uh, C. Blanche, J. Sem says Remington is closing a factory in upstate New York. The town is devastated. Great show tonight. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm talking about. And that town may become a ghost town. Okay, we have a call right now. Hello, my friend. Welcome, and I hope that you are uh, you're feeling well. What's on your mind? Yeah, uh, this is Bill. Hello, Bill. Uh, I'm in West. I'm down in West Virginia, man, and um, actually in kind of Tim Pools area. I know you've you've been down there. Yep. Um, in any case, it's it's beautiful and all out here, but at the same time, all the same things are going on. It's funny you mentioned a pizza shop because I I work part time at Wanna Drive. I deliver, and the other year I was working. And uh, before the economy got real bad and, you know, making great money, like delivering pizzas, making like 60 grand a year, you know, and uh, this was down in, in Virginia, not too far. Uh, and I work up here in West Virginia now, but uh, it, it's like you can tell, I can tell them the tips, I can tell them the orders, like how bad people are struggling right now. And we can't keep anybody like people don't want to work. It's crazy. Just all the things you were talking about. It, yeah. So, yeah. D- d- Bill, I, I mean. To hear about this from West Virginia, where th- and and this is what I'm talking about with, you know, I'll, I'll get and I, and I understand the the value of being able to keep yourself away from any kind of city. I mean that that even in, in my mind that even means like if you live in the Tennessee area, you want to be able to make sure that you are a good uh, a good bit away from Memphis. You know, there's a, there's a there's it, it, wherever the hell there's a city. There is going to have we're going to have some problems, especially if there is any kind of a meltdown. Cities are going to be hit the worst, and that is going to cause a major exodus. And you want to make sure that if we are thinking about what wall we're going to hit next, you want to be as far away from a blast zone as possible. So I understand the value of wanting to get farther away from New York City than I am right now. If I was in West New York, there'd be no difference for me. I mean, obviously. It would still be, you know, however many, however, whatever the state income taxes are, it's still going to be more than neighboring states. But as far as uh, local stability and all that other stuff, that's really what it's all about. And no matter where you are, as you're talking about, here I am in Westchester, New York, you think that you're pretty much in the belly of the beast. But all the same things are happening in West Virginia, which is one place where people would tell me I should consider fleeing to. You know, I mean, this is all across the board it's following us the biggest problems are following us no matter what state line we cross and um it's nuts man it really is yeah yeah i'd agree my my wife's from albany actually and uh you know a lot of her family lives up in the mountains up and around there and it's it's of course very conservative except for the city <laughs> and uh down here it's it, it, it's you know it's it's a mix it depends but it's primarily conservative obviously west virginia is a big trump state but for me, like, I, I live here. I grew up in Western Maryland originally. I, I live out here. I love it. I've gotten further into the country. It's, for me, it's about survival, man. You're talking about burnout. Like, all the stuff on social media, you're one of the few guys I still watch regularly, you know. Um, it, you know, even Twitter right now, taking a break on that. It's just, it, things just are so ridiculous. And I think people need to worry about their health, not just their mental health, but their physical health. Yes. You know, we need, to be, we need to be exercising. I know you're a gym guy, but, like, but, you know, we, we really need to be getting fit because bad, hard times are coming. And, and uh, you know, I think physical labor and, and self-sustaining uh, things are going to – they're not so easy when you're not physically prepared to, to do that, right? If you need to do a lot of gardening or, or even just something like out my way, like if I can go out and hunt or something like that if I actually absolutely needed to. 
you know, but you got to hike, you got to do, do stuff for your body. And I think a lot of people think that, that when things hit the fan, they're just going to be able to bug out or do whatever. And they're not going to realize the kind of stress that it really puts on their, their, their self. So yeah. Um, uh, yeah, something I wanted to mention. I'm not hearing anyone else talk about. Like, it, it's a number one priority of mine right now. I'm 43. You know, I ca- kind of let myself get a little deconditioned. So right now, I'm like, uh, been back on it pretty hardcore. So, well, well yeah. Bill, I, I appreciate the call because it, it ties in a couple of things that I uh, I think are very important to really make sure don't get lost in this conversation tonight. And even uh, goes back to what I said last night. Thanks again. Um, First of all, last night when I was kind of applying some of the themes from Lucifer's Hammer that we read over the last few weeks, I was applying some of those themes to the the craziness that we are seeing pushed from the Luciferians on this uh, on this this planet. You know, um, whereas I said that the uh, or or like when like when Wendy was saying she was looking at the simplicity of people working with the earth and I actually envied them in uh, in many ways especially since her job revolves around writing and reporting on things that are going on around us and unless Wendy uh commits herself to going and finding the good things that are happening in small towns all over America which might be a good thing for you to consider Wendy <laughs> I mean no nobody uh lays out uh timelines to disaster better than you uh, but, um, maybe just for the sake of having something good to, to, to do and inspiring some kind of hope that, that yearning for the simplicity of being out in the garden and taking care of things like that, being outside and being a little bit more in communion with nature, that was the whole dichotomy of Lucifer's hammer. Whereas we suffered in this book, a, nearly civilization killing comet impact it brought us to a place where all of the nonsense the russia versus united states in the cold war nonsense gone the space race gone for a little while um the 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 social pressures that we built up on top of the fact that our society is just floating on top of thousands of years of tinkering and experimenting and and technology lost and gained and all that stuff and here we are thinking that we made it and it can go away so quick and if we were to have it all go away so quick all the things that really burn us out the most they're gone too that it's all gone and even though it would be a catastrophic way to get to that point once the dust settled and once we accounted for what we lost and what we still have those of us who survived and uh, and some years goes by and everybody's learning what they can do to survive and, and, and move forward. Uh, it, it would probably be a lot more of an exhilarating human experience because it would be a natural one. Whereas the kind of comet, the kind of wiping of the uh, of the of the blackboard, per se. That is being proposed by the World Economic Forum, the UN, with all the agendas, 21, 30, 50, all of them, uh, that is all about having a proverbial comet hit the earth. And even though they say they want to put nature in the, the centerpiece of the new economy, the new economy that is going to be introduced because this one is being deliberately destroyed 
It's all connected. The nature in the, in, the, in the new economy is as natural as the metaverse. You know, it's, it's nonsense. It probably is the metaverse, to be honest. They want us laughing at how uh, nobody's hanging out with Mark Zuckerberg and his virtual worlds. But listen, it, it's a beta test. It's a beta test. Something bigger will become of it. They're just testing things out, getting things right. Why did I bring that up? Well, because there's that aspect, the nature, uh, the you know what what the what the the body and and the uh, the human the human species actually probably craves the most that reconnection we crave the most, other than a connection to God probably. And then there's the other thing of being physically fit. Tomorrow night when Jay Gulanello is on, we're going to be talking about. The, 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 the real true way of physical freedom is health. Again, and we never, I mean, there's so much. The science nonsense that's going on right now, is, it's incredible. So that'll be another one tomorrow night. Um, anyway, uh, let's see here. Let me see. I, I, just got a, I just got word that there was a really great take on Telegram about tonight's show from the audience let me see hold on let me see uh mike mike j mike j says great topics tonight frank you know there's another class of us 60 60-ish working men who are broken bodily have lost all or most through a divorce after 2025 years paid into social security 200 to 300k and now can't get any of our money back while they slide money housing planes or plane rides to 30 year old immigrants who haven't done a damn thing i used to think that it was just bad life choices but it's more than that it's social engineering that our wives fall for it's a legal system that still has the working blue collar guys finishing last of course they want and need us out of the way and there are many old construction factory tradesmen veterans that fall through the cracks anyway i've listened to you for years and my opinion of you is that you're an old soul and wise beyond your years god bless and let people know that many of us who have built the infrastructure of this once decent country and are broken are broken and hurting too but like a sheepdog we will never give up wow wow there's so much there First of all, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful compliment, and I'm happy I'm here to just open up phone lines for people like you. It, you know, Compared to the swinging of a sledgehammer and laying down railroad or something like that, uh, you know, opening up the phones and just talking to people, I don't, I don't feel like it, it compares, but it does its own thing. But that's just so incredible. First of all, there you go, just thinking about Social Security. To spend decades paying in what would amount to two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars, and that's two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars that was accrued over the time, over the years, where ten thousand dollars was more like a hundred thousand dollars. So you know, three hundred thousand dollars today, um, it doesn't seem that much compared to the kinds of millions and billions and trillions we see packed into these fucking spending bills. But there's so much there. There's so much there. To have put so much in and feel that your country is just such a, a decent place. And to have the social engineering take the, to rip the rug right out from under it. 
And I love how he says the social engineering that our wives fall for. It's a legal system that has the working blue-collar guys finishing last. Of course, they want to need us out of the way. And there are many old construction factory tradesmen veterans that fall through the cracks. I, I, can't, I can't thank you enough for putting those words together, Mike, and I'm glad that they got onto the air. And, uh, and thank you, Mike, from Maryland for calling attention to it, too. Or else I, I would have I missed that. Let's take another call. Let's go to... Uh... Hello, you're on the air. Is this Patricia? Oh, yes, it is. Go right Hi, ahead. Frank. Great to have you on. Okay. I wanted to um, mention a couple of things. One about the ghost towns. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I live in a, um, a small uh, a rural area in Northern California. Okay. Um, the Emerald Triangle and... Uh, Cannabis was the main industry here. Well, it's pretty much dead, and there uh, the towns are growing up. Wait, Grocery stores are closing. You're saying you're um, saying that the only thing the only thing left around where you are is is cannabis farming and things like mm-hmm. that. No, the cannabis is gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's almost gone. Why? It's pretty much because they legalized it, and with legalizing it, they. Um, added all these requirements to pass, uh, you know, to get certification. There you go. And and most people can't bother. Uh, it's way too onerous, right? So they pretty much killed the industry here. And um, They can't help so themselves. A lot of, they just can't help themselves. No, they can't. And so, you know, a lot of people are really uh, hurting. They just have no money here. But the other reason why I called is because about the um, child care. I mostly, we mostly homeschooled our son. He's 26 now. And um, we lived on very little. My husband was a teacher. <laughs> and um, we lived on mostly that income. And occasionally I would work, um, I had worked for um, a restaurant. I was a catering chef. So I would do gigs with them. But mostly we homeschooled him and I was there most of the time. Spent a lot of time in the woods, a lot of time just um uh, reading and playing games, and uh, my son got a great education. Uh, we mostly built Legos and listened to audiobooks. And uh, anyway, he went to college, graduated second in his class, um, has a good job. And, you know, we just lived really frugally. We didn't take vacations. Uh, we always had used cars. And it can be done. It's going to have to be done. You know that, that and, yeah. and and I, I mean it, what what you describe right there is so wonderful, and I'm very proud of you, and I'm I'm sure that your your son is only going to grow uh, more and more proud of you as the years go on, and he gets more perspective in life. There's still I, yeah I, he you know yeah, and so you know I mean the thing is uh, I, right now I think parents like the schools are just a mess. My husband retired as a teacher, and it's so dangerous there in terms of what they're teaching the kids. Yeah, you just almost have to make that sacrifice and do what you can to keep your kids close to you. Dangerous and useless, you know. It's one it's, and useless. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's one. The danger is is uh, is not that far off from how badly uh, how useless the information and and the curriculum makes a person. You're talking about preparing a young mind, a young person to go into the world and and pave their own way. Uh, but but everything that they really instill uh, disables children. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, it's and, crazy. And what they're teaching is really degenerate. You, people would be shocked if they knew. 
what goes on in those classrooms. Okay, well, that's the thing they they don't realize, you know. I, I appreciate the insights, especially on the cannabis end of things, because I thought that that was uh, one that was one industry that was uh, blossoming and booming. But I am not. I'm yeah. also at the same time not at all surprised that it is being put out of business by the regulatory policies yeah. of the same assholes who thought that they can that, who, who were desperate enough to legalize it so they could form some new revenue. It's just it's incredible. Right. And then so the only people left in it are, are like cartels, to be honest. There's a lot of cartels up here. It, this is in Northern California, you said? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Yep. On well, the Indian reservations and, you know, places like that. They're up way up in the hills, remote, doing whatever the heck they want to do. On A lot of times on... Um, you know, uh, in national forests. So when you uh, say just, when you say cartels, uh, do you mean that there is just a small conglomerate of of cannabis related business industries that are that are really forming a a, a new age old boys club that they no, control? No, I mean you're, like you're talking I mean about like Mexican cartels. So there is Mex you who let you in on that 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 you guys believe that there is actually <laughs> Mexican cartels everywhere. Everybody knows it. They tell you it's like oh yeah until the that was a nice little remote, you know, valley until the cartels moved in. You see it all the time. There's like a terrible like crime and there's a lot of fentanyl and um, uh, meth and and also the cannabis is grown by these cartels now. I mean, they've been doing this for years, but now it's really like they're the ones who can hold on and still doing it while the mom and pops can't afford to be in the business anymore. Now they have a le- they have a legal passageway to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. thank you for the call, Patricia. This was very uh yeah. this is something. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, thanks a lot, Frank. All right. There you have it. There's a little bit more. Um Yeah. All right. All right. So listen, we're going to go on a really quick break. It is 8:28. I hope everybody on QuiteFrankly.tv, on Pill.net, the newly revamped Pill.net, is having themselves a good time. This has been as good of a show as I knew it would be, and uh, there's, there's, there's much more coming on the other end. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. Be right back. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> Master Yoda here. And when the day is done, I like to watch Quite Frankly. <laughs> Once you start watching, quite frankly, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you it will, like the gallon of milk I just drank. <laughs> oh!
teacher, cancer, desperate for money, corrupt into working, unable to even quit? You told me that yourself, Mickey! Jesus, what was I thinking? Mickey, please, let's, both of us, stop trying to justify this whole thing and admit that you're in danger. Who are you talking to right now? Who is it you think you see? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. You know what happened if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it can be listened up a NASDAQ goes belly up. Disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clear you in. I am not in danger, Minnie. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Speaking of drugs, <laughs> I am the one who knocks. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's 8.32. We've had a great show so far. We're talking about the great American burnout and all aspects of it. I'm sure we haven't even covered a fraction of what's really burning you guys out. But there's been a little bit of this, a little bit of that. There's been the physical burnout. There's the economic burnout. There's the news and the social media. There is the uh, the social justice agendas, the, uh, the AI, the corrupted science, so much more. Anyway, the call, the call in line for you, ladies and gentlemen, that is 914-200-0269. And... Um, and yeah, that's where we are going with this. Taking some more. Taking some more calls. Taking some time with you. What's got you burnt out? If you are just joining us and you've got to go back and listen to the rest of the show, it has been a good one. Very good. And now we're taking calls from people from different parts of the country. And uh, and I really, really appreciate the insights there. Let's take a call from uh, John. How are you? Hey, what do you say, Frank? What do you say? Yeah, I've been burnt. I've been burnt out and burnt out before even the burnt out shit was popular. <laughs> okay, well, but you sound like but, a guy who yeah, deals but, with it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, the whole cancer crap with the wife, this and that. I mean, I've talked to you a hundred times, twice in sixteen, whatever. You know, I mean, it it's just crazy. My dog wants to talk to you a little bit. You hear that in the back? I do. Thank you. Thank it's you. The howl in the back. It's Jet. You want to say hello to Frank? All right. I apologize for that. It's okay. In any event, yeah. Burnt the fuck out like on times twice, right? We got to get the fuck up and do what we got to do and fuck, uh, you know, thinking about the government. It's in the Constitution there. Our, our girl there, Christine Hall, tells us what we got to do, right? We just got to get rid of these people. It's insane. This shit is unsustainable. And I'm burnt out about everybody just, you know, fluffing over. Oh, everybody stole this. Everybody stole that. Everything this. Everything that. 
I'm just, I don't even know how to do it. But uh, yeah, I'm like burnt the fuck out for it. <laughs> well, look okay. at me right now. I don't even know what to say. I know, I know. Like, it's, the fuck out. it's hard. It's hard to keep to keep your thoughts uh, uncrossed. And thank you for the call, John. I know. It's hard to keep your, your thoughts uncrossed. Now, hey, listen. Um, when I put my some thoughts out there, as I had already wrapped up all my my writing for tonight's show, and I'm talking about this stuff, um, and I and I I tweeted a little something about just the you know the the nastiness of this time of year where we see tax day coming along, and you just are reminded if you think that deeply as to w- what we're paying into, what we're paying into, and. None of it goes to benefit us. Some people just don't think about it. Some people think it's one, it's it's, it's just a, a wonderful mechanism for social equalization and stability, and it is a waste. It is a fraud. It really is. And um, and then you know, there's always somebody will say, "Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you." But now what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, I have my thoughts. I have my fantasies. But I know the reality is I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to find the inspiration and the good humor to do what I do every day. And like I said, prioritize being around with my family for as long as possible. And that's it. You know, uh, tax revolt this, uh, armed revolt that. Uh, You know, I, I don't bother myself with it. Sometimes it's just good to have a conversation. Sometimes it's good and probably the most necessary thing to just put things out there, to vent a little bit, to see what comes back, because at least if you can verify that you're not the only one, and if other other people can verify they're not the only ones, and people are doing a lot of verification and a lot of validating of each other, and suddenly you realize, holy shit, we have ourselves a little bit of a voting block here. At least on a local level, that means a lot, you know? So uh, I don't know. For now, the venting, the uh, the sharing, the kind of campfire-style discussion that we need a little bit more outside of the food fight that is social media that I'm trying to back myself off a little bit more. Maybe just talk a little bit more about movies, books, you know, on social media at least. I know this show we're always going to dip into current events and tie tie uh, tie things together but how much more do you need from me or anybody doing that elsewhere all right 914 let's take a call 216 you're on the air go ahead hello frank hey this is uh misbehaving hello misbehaving how you doing i'm doing pretty good good yeah you know what i kind of got a comment on uh your little about being burnt out, or I don't know if uh, possibly I'm burnt out, or maybe I've been burnt out so long that I don't realize that I'm burnt out. You're but, ju- yeah, you're just numb. Well, you know what? Uh, for someone that's my age, and I was born in the mid-50s, um, for my entire life, uh, in kindergarten, I was living through uh, the Bay of Pigs and the Cuban Missile Crisis. And Kennedy got his head blown off when I was in first grade. And uh, I've, I've been through it all. And I'm to the point now 
that uh, literally they've been threatening to drop a bomb on my fucking head my entire life. I'm at the point now, it's like, drop the fucking bomb already. I am beyond being able to be scared anymore. I'm, I'm totally numb to it. It's, um, it's, uh, I, I, you know what you hit, you hit the nail on the head for a lot of people right now. I know you did. Um, because you know, I, I have not a, I have not lived nearly as long as you have or seen as much as you have. Um, but I, I, the last 25 years of my life has been, has, has been, uh, lived under those same pretenses. Well, yeah. And, and for anybody that's younger than me, especially, uh, I don't know if they would have the boomers when the boomers end and gen would, I don't know how all that shit works, but these young people anymore, they have been robbed of even the possibility of growing up and just enjoying life. And it's so sad. It, you know, it breaks my heart. I, uh, I thank you so much misbehaving. It's great to have you on. But, uh, I just figured I'd add my two cents there. You know what? They're all pussies. You know, don't, I say I don't fear them. They don't scare me anymore. But, you know, I'm beyond that. You know, I've, I've really hit a wall on that respect. Well, throw your two cents in more often. It was great to get a call from you. <laughs> okay. All right. Everybody, take care. For, for those of you who don't burp. know, that's that's the there's a burp. There you go. That's there. There's misbehaving Irishman in the uh, in the chat rooms. You've probably seen him around. That's that's him. That's his voice. The burping constantly. There he is. To his point, though, I've said it before, and you can chalk this up as testament to the the resilience of the human spirit. Everything that we've lived through, even younger kids, younger kids, young men like myself, around those 30s, getting closer to 40, if you live through and you have any kind of good memory of what happened, what life was like before September 11, 2001, which was one major benchmark in completely turning the dials on what society would become, um, then I mean, you, if you think about, I trying to think about putting myself now, if 1996 was tomorrow, let's say we all go to sleep tonight. It is February 21st, 2024, and all of us are going to wake up tomorrow, maybe th this same age, but we're going to wake up tomorrow when our eyes open up. It is going to be February 22nd, 1996. And everything was exactly the way it was. Everything. After the initial horror, uh, as far as did I just really just time travel? Let's say that that didn't phase us too much and we were just able to just experience it. The lifting, the, the weight that would be off our, we would probably, I've said it before, we'd probably be able to levitate. We have been so used to walking through life carrying baggage baggage that was assigned to us from somewhere else from much higher authorities than we deal with uh we i mean there's always personal baggage there's thing life is messy but we have been assigned so much baggage after 9 11 through every crisis after that every war every turning of the page then of course right up to 2020 
We talk about COVID and the lockdowns and everything that's come after that and what is coming now. Cyber pandemics, the WEF. I mean, they, they told us where they want to take us. All of this shit with the open borders, all of this stuff, those are sandbags slung over our shoulders. If if all the stuff that we have just become, that we've just normalized, went away, was just taken off our shoulders, we'd probably float. And I, and I, and I, th- I really do think that is just a testament of our resilience because look at how we just keep going on. Look at how we keep going on. And, you know, I, I'm sitting down with the... Um, I was sitting down with my friend, uh, Father Pat, yesterday. Lauren and I were going because Lauren and I were getting we're we're getting prepared to to renew our vows in the church in May on our wedding anniversary. Uh, so, because I I wanted to take part in the sacrament, then Lauren was down for that, and uh, so we've been meeting with uh, with the priest, my friend who I, I met through the late Father Tom, who passed away last year. And and we, we've we been having these wonderful conversations on Tuesday afternoons, these standing appointments. And, um, and yesterday, you know, talk a little bit about our marriage, which is really amazing when you see it broken down into these, uh, that, well, that's for us. But I'm just talking, there was one part that came up for me, discussing my stress level with work. And what goes on in my my ability to really enjoy certain things, especially movies, any kind of television show, when everything's so jam packed full of agendas and all that, you know, how can I dial my my own personal my personal shit back to be able to enjoy a moment and not have any petty little propagandistic play sully it in any way. And uh, and uh, my friend, the priest, Father Pat, uh, said, you know, very, very simply, and it was so nice. He laid it all out there, the things I got to take account of every day, all the wonderful things that we've been able to do as a family, what we have, what we have, not the things that we don't have. Obviously, this is all very rudimentary stuff. But also just being reminded that, hey, you're, you're not going to change the world, number one. One person can't do that. I feel like every last one of us, in some way, shape, or form, if we've been on the internet for a little, you've either had the ability to just, just stay away from it all and just lurk a little bit. But those of us who have used the internet as a way to kind of get into a, a fight, to contribute in some way, it, it, it's all rooted in this thing that, well, you know, one more tweet, it's the one snowflake in the blizzard. And that's my contribution to the war in this virtual shit show of an environment. And really all it does is take away from us and it, um, and it, and it contributes to the burnout. And, uh, and the other really uh, calming thing that Father Pat said, said yesterday too, he goes, you know, and the other thing is, you know, we know the, the agendas are everywhere. Uh, I mean, he was, he, he, was uh, he presided over the mass on Sunday morning when I went this past this past week. And uh, even he had some choice words about what was going on in St. Patrick's Cathedral in, uh, in New York City with that ridiculous sacrilegious, um, uh, you know, 
funeral slash trans. I don't know what the hell it was. A hooker was, everybody was eulogizing a hooker. I, I, it, it was incredible. But even he said, you know, the, 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 the agendas are everywhere. But people who have faith, we know how this ends. He said that, you know, and that, that's one thing where you have to, A, you're not going to change the world, and B, we know who wins in the end. There's going to be a lot, and very, very ugly right now. And it's, it's, it's bad. He said it's, things are uh, worse off than they have been in a while. But regardless of what happens, then where it all goes, we know how this wins and how this goes down. And we know who wins. He says the Holy One wins. That's it. And, and that was so, that, that settled me down so much. It really did. It settled me down. We know how all this ends. It's already over. It's already been decided. Now, of course, there goes our, our, our human uh, inclination to want to be there for the victory. We want to be there at the end to see the, uh, the payoff. And, of course, that doesn't take away the fact that what we're living through right now is a pile of shit, and we want to be able to make it better, and we want to see people doing wrong being held accountable. But sometimes you just got to do what you can and act when it's appropriate. And everything else, you got to be able to be able to you got to be able to, to to mitigate that that rage in some way, and um, and chill out. No doubt about it. All right, let me take a uh, another call. Five oh four, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey Frank, it's Kelly. How are you, sweetie? Well, I I, I can barely make you out, so you got to take me off a of speakerphone or whatever you're calling. All right, on. I did. I'm sorry, I forgot. Who's this again? Kelly. Wait, say it one more time. Kelly. There you go. Finally, you're clear. Go ahead, Kelly. I just wanted to say that for years, for decades, I've been brainwashing myself with the word curse of the year. And I just wanted to say to everybody, the curse of the year. Are you still speaking? Yeah, I said, I just wanted to tell everybody to persevere. To persevere. And that's something that you've been telling yourself for years, you said. Decades. Decades. And that's all it is. Yeah. Just, there's just that just that, that one word. It becomes, yep. it becomes a mantra. No other option. That's it. Well, Kelly. Thanks, babe. Kelly, what, what a one. I got one. three coffee cups, too, coming. Three? Well, yeah. everybody One's that. for Cajun Lady Sarah. Oh well, listen. You gotta take a picture when you guys get together for uh, for uh, you know coffee time. I want to see you guys. Uh, do, you know, cheers. I want to see a, a toast between both of your coffee mugs when you guys are hanging out. Absolutely. All righty. Well, thank you for the call. Love y'all. Love you too. Be well. There's Kelly. Bye. Kelly from Louisiana. She's great. That's it. That so, and, and there's the other thing at the end. A nice little one-minute call from Kelly from Louisiana just to say, hey, something I've been telling myself for decades and I'm telling for you guys right now, persevere. Persevere. I guess that is the big thing. How does the other side really win? They really win when you become them. <laughs> Let that one sink in every once in a while because I know it gets lost in the fray. I know it gets lost in all the, the hand-wringing. 
They win when you become them. So, anyway. All right, it's 8.50. Let me go to the Super Chat. Stostube, thank you so much. Car Guys New England says, uh, Shala just ordered two mugs, one for her and my mother-in-law, Marianne, and some coffee. Thank you, Shala. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I can't wait. I want people taking pictures of themselves with the mug. Send them in to me. I want to see them. Thank you. Uh, Car Guys also says, when I feel like I'm getting burnt out, I always think of my wife and two boys, and it motivates me to do the best I can no matter what obstacles I'm facing at the moment. Life isn't always easy, but things are thrown our way to make us stronger. Amen to that. Amen to that. And I appreciate you guys over there in the Super Chats big time. I really do. Uh, over on the the Gold Pills, Sean Joe, Trick Pony, C. Blanche, J. Sim, Curious Patriot says, thanks as always for a great conversation, Frank. Thank you, Curious, as Curious drops a whole bunch of cookies. P-Quest is there. Wonderful. 602, you're on the air. One of the last of the night. Go ahead. Hey, Frank, this is Steve from Detroit with Ask My Tax. We are over the target. We got the news media. We got Detroit Free Press. Everybody's trying to slam us, saying how bad reducing taxes, uh, getting rid of property taxes is. Oh, that's a, Steve. That's a wonderful development. That is, if yeah. you if you're getting that, then you are over the target. Then they they don't like the momentum you have. No doubt about it. Have you been? Can you give us a a a a, a to date update on what kind of signatures are on, are on this petition? Have you met the threshold for response or to become a, an official ballot initiative or what? Well, we're we're getting signatures now, so you know we probably got. You know, a couple thousand signatures at the moment, but it is rolling really good, and they are running scared that we're going to get this on the ballot. You know what I love, Steve? I love when anybody uh, goes and screams, no matter what party they belong to. Whenever they hear about somebody who actually wants to eliminate taxes and relieve the burden on people who are actually out there producing, they always say the same thing. This is going to explode the budget deficit Oh, well, it's only going to explode the budget deficit if you don't stop spending. They're always, they're, they're always coming from one standpoint. They will never consider stopping spending. So That's they, exactly right. They're gonna, if we cut taxes, we're going to explode the debt. Well, how does that work out if you cut taxes and cut spending as well? Oh, well, we're not going to cut spending, so just... <laughs> And that's just what it comes down to. They are absolutely insane, and it has to get to a point where they are just ignored and run out of office. They have to be somehow. We have to keep them accountable, and yeah. they haven't been accountable. They're just spending our money like drunken sailors on stupid crap, you know, spending millions of dollars on stupid studies that don't mean nothing. It, and, should, uh, be, uh, it, it should be illegal. It should be a high crime to spend even a dollar when there is a, a deficit or any kind of, uh, I understand that maintaining debt is really good for maintaining credit. I understand that. But what we have now on a state level and on a national level is obscene and people need to go to, they, they need to go to jail for it. For sure. Well, I mean, like you're, you had a caller in the last hour, uh, she was a tax person and she said everybody's incomes have gone down about a third. Yeah. Well, the community I live in, 
the township supervisors all gave themselves a 10% raise. Bastards. Yep. Bastards. Total bastards. bastards. And I'm also thinking of running for township supervisor, too. And I would put my money where my mouth is and say, I'll take a 50% reduction in pay. People would love you for that, Steve. Because that's what, you know, that's being a true statesman. It's a true civil servant. It's not about making money. It's about doing the job. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're trying to make this into a post that can be um, rotated into and out of by all their friends and colleagues. And it could be used for a bargaining age. Okay, well, you can be a couple of years of city council. They want to make sure that this is a nice post that they can bargain with these positions with uh, anybody that they're doing business with outside of um, outside of civic life. That's what it all it is. And thanks again for the, the keep up with the, the, the great update, Steve. And thanks for calling in. That's what it is elsewhere. Remember when we first started really paying attention to how um, how people were made into diplomats, ambassadors? It was during the Obama administration we started actually for the first time, at least I was, understanding just what all of these diplomatic posts were about. When you when you can trace the the donation money from one person into Obama's super PAC. And then Obama giving them a uh, you know ambassadorship to one backwash country or whatever. Just the prestige, the ability to go out there on the on the uh, the State Department's dime and see the world and all that stuff. The same thing has to happen with all these smaller town councils and anything else that continue to vote for outrageous, outrageous pay increases. It's got to be the same thing, just so that whenever. Somebody does get the pat on the shoulder. Okay, it's your turn. At least, okay, you get a couple of years. Yes, a couple of years of six figures. Don't got to do anything. Just got to rubber stamp a bunch of shit. I'm telling you. Telling you. It's all a skim. It's all skim. Anyway, I hope you guys and gals found a little bit of relief inside of this conversation. Perhaps it's something that we've been talking about, thinking about for a while and um and you just couldn't put your your finger on it or articulate it in one way or another well tonight i think we did a little bit of we did some good in that respect we did some good i'm going to um i'm going to save some stuff for tomorrow what is it it's 857. I'm going to save a lot of this stuff this other stuff that i had for tomorrow when jay gulanello was in cuz i know he'll be flexible with it That'll be nice. Uh, you know what? We'll take one more call. Time for one more call because we have two minutes left. Dean, welcome to the show. It's all yours. Frankie Val, what's happening, buddy? Oh, just chilling. Um, <laughs> just chilling. So the the American burnout thing. You know, I I can I can tell you that I've been doing my job for uh, going into my twenty fifth year now. I drive a garbage truck, and when I started doing this. Back in uh, 1999, shortly after I graduated high school, you know, it was a lot different. Things were a lot easier. You know, there wasn't so much of a demand on us. And in the last 10 to 15 years, man, the clamps have come down. And, uh, you know, back then, back in the day, we used to start 6, 6.30 in the morning. And we'd all be parked, going home 4, 4.30 Nowadays, I'm getting out of bed 
at uh, 3, 3.30 a.m. I'm in a truck by 4.30, and I'm not walking in my door until 5. 5? Jeez. Yeah, dude. Whoa, whoa. I'm telling you. And, it, and I, Now, I'm on my third company that I've worked for. The last company I worked for, I just quit a couple years ago because I just got tired of it. They pissed me off so bad, I had to leave. It was driving me nuts. But why? It, why the extended? Why the extended hours? I well, the Frank. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. I I don't know exactly. You know, I I, you know, I've thought about it, and I kind of attribute it to the the shit rolls downhill chart. You know, you get the red. You know, we're a bunch of CDL drivers. We have commercial driver's licenses. You know, and and there's you know overhead. You know, it, it's. It, it's insurance things, you know. The clamps come down on the companies, and then they have to absorb as much as they can, without you know pissing off customers and raising their rates, you know. And so I, I just I don't, Frank. I don't know. I'm yeah, just, but three to anyone, three to five. Anyone? Is, what's that, bud? Three to five is is uh, is is rough. That's rough. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm telling you, my alarm clock goes off, uh, you know, 3.30 in the morning. Sometimes, you know, my automatic alarm clock just goes off, and, and, I'm, and I'm up and just waiting, you know, just lay in bed and relax for a few more minutes. And, but I'm telling you, man, it's uh, – I, I, I don't know, you know. So I, I just, you know, want to throw that out there. Anyone else who does, you know, work like, like I do has noticed that. Um. I can tell you across, you know, uh, like I said, 25 years I've been doing this, and across the board, all the guys I work with, you know, the stress and the hours, the exhaustion has compounded many times over. Wow. And uh, the only thing I can think of, Frank, is, like I said, the shit rolls downhill chart. You know, the clamps come down on the companies with government regulations with CDLs and and, uh, and insurance costs and and the cost of maintenance and things like that. I don't know. Well, I, I appreciate so. I appreciate you throwing that out there because uh, if somebody else is experiencing the same thing, I'm sure I'm going to hear about it. And thanks for the call, Dean. Thank you for helping me roll out uh, roll uh, roll up this show. Absolutely, Frank. Frank, I love you, man. Been around a long time, and uh, and uh, you know, I, I I I speak for many people when I say that I appreciate what you do, man. I really do. Well, I, I, I'm grateful for you, and I'm grateful for those words, and, and it's a very high compliment. Now, go get some sleep, because you're making me tired. Yeah, I'm going. All I right. was actually on my way to bed, and I saw you were still on, and uh, so I thought I'd give it a shot. So All right. <laughs> well, well, you got through, and uh, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Love you. Later. Okay. That's it. I appreciate you guys so much for tonight. I will see you tomorrow night with Jay Gulanello sitting here in the studio with me. And uh, it, whatever it is, it's going to be a night of science and nutrition and the free human species. And God knows what else, because Jay can go anywhere with the conversation. And hopefully you'll go with us as well. Thank you so much. We will see you tomorrow night. I'll catch you on the flip side.
quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Stostube, Car Guys New England, and Jay Brits. Thank you to all of our wonderful, wonderful super chatters, our gold pillars. We will see you guys tomorrow, 7 o'clock. I'm releasing the scratching right now. Go ahead, scratch your ass. It's on me. Nighty night. Goodbye.